Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. The Fall Classic is here. The Rangers and the Diamondbacks are set to start the World Series, but what does that mean for the Seattle Mariners? Paul Seawald is on that team, Cattell Marte is on that team, and the Mariners are sitting at home. Also, Dusty Baker retired, bless up. And maybe uh, since it's the last podcast before Halloween, we'll have a spooky segment here at the end of the show today. Episode 31 of the Hit It Here podcast. Joe, how's it going? I'm nervous now. I know the spooky segment is the thing that I don't know anything about. So stick around to find out what the hell that is. I I have no clue. But the thing I do have a clue about, segues are incredible. Paul Mm. Seawald is my literal father. I am so jazzed that... He has been exactly what the Diamondbacks have needed. Not to give, you know, not give just credit to him. The entire team has showed up when they needed to. Ginkle, Thompson, great. But the Seawall jersey came in during Game 7. So that was that was big. That was big clutch. I don't know. Why are you lying to them? What do you mean? It came in before Game 7. Like the day of Game 7. Like, it's like he's the same thing. Uh, yeah, no, Seawall, I mean, he's been very good. It's so cool to watch him close down, like, every night, basically, it feels like. When every every win for the Diamondbacks, it feels like he has had a big part in it. And watching the other night when he came in and sent them to the World Series, like he looked like he was on. He he, he looked a little nervous, like the look on his face. Yeah. But maybe I don't know. I was just like the fact that we get to watch Paul Seawald pitch. It's time for Paul Seawald to go to the World Series. The fact that we get to watch Paul Seawald pitch in the World Series is so so cool because he's such a fan favorite in Seattle, and he's a guy mm-hmm. that I have gained a ton of respect for honestly even since the trade i've gained a ton of respect for that guy um and i think that he's kind of a he's kind of a cult hero now in seattle but then it begs the question and of course we got it in our comments oh well paul seawald's going to the world series and Cattell Marte is going to the world series you know oh bad trades blah blah what are your what are your thoughts on that i'm looking for a correlation currently um so the issue is is that like the mariners bullpen was still good post Paul Seawald departure and Rojas put up uh, like the best part of the, like any part of statistical, whatever for a second baseman on the Mariners in 2023, that was Josh Rojas. So without him, like, do we think that the platoon of Dylan Moore and Jose Caballero and like that the rotating door, including Sam Haggerty in there, maybe we don't designate Colton Wong. Does that get us any further than, like if we retain Paul Seawold? No. I don't I don't think so. And I know that that's the conversation that everyone's having. It's going to be the conversation that we're going to have for a while. And also, like not to like bat like rag on Paul Seawold, but looking back to 
last postseason, 2022, it was the first postseason for him. So obviously nerves are also at an all-time high, duh. But he wasn't he wasn't that good for the Mariners in 2022 in the postseason. That that blow up the failed save, essentially, or you know, getting to the save opportunity for Paul Sewold against the Astros in the game one of the division series, eventually leading to your daddy being born. It just wasn't great. And now seeing him have the success, though, it shows that, like, turning over a new leaf, it can work for guys. And he has been, like, electric for the Diamondbacks. But do I, do you do you think the Diamondbacks have enough juice to go and finish off the Texas Rangers? You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't thought they'd had enough juice to do anything they've done. And they have. And I'm not going to count them out, even against the Rangers. The Rangers have a really good offense. Um, I think that... The Diamondbacks have been surprising me the entire postseason. So I have no reason to think they're not going to do it again. And I'm rooting for the Diamondbacks. I am. I love that team. I think they're a super fun team. They've, mm-hmm. They're have they embracing the chaos, you know? Yeah. They have Paul Seawald again, Cattell Marte. But a little bit before we move on from the Seawald trade, I think that it can be a win-win on both sides. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Seawald, they needed him desperately. He Ever since he went to Arizona, he has changed the landscape of that bullpen. Absolutely. But also, without, like you said, Josh Rojas in the mix this season, the Mariners probably don't even come close to sniffing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Dom Canzone is another guy. You got like 18 years of control of three guys for a year and a half of a reliever that you had signed to a minor league deal. No, like, I, do I do that trade again? Yes, every single time I do that trade again. Same with the Cattell Marte trade. Do I do that Cattell Marte trade again? Yes, every single time I do that Cattell Marte trade again. It's just, you can't look at these trades and say, oh, well, short-sightedness. These guys are in the World Series and we're not because obviously it's a yeah. whole team effort. And would the, would the Diamondbacks have gotten there without Paul Seawald? It's possible. I mean, after, after they acquired Paul Seawald, the Diamondbacks lost nine straight. <clears throat> it was not looking good so. in the desert. Yeah, so I don't know. I think that it's fine. You can. It is it right to look at this Paul Seawall trade and say, "Man, I miss Paul." Absolutely, I I miss Paul a lot. But you can't look at it and say, "Oh, you know, we got these three guys and they're not worth it." Because Paul Seawall will be in the last year of his contract in 2024, whereas we'll still have Dom Canzone for another five years. Josh Rojas think another four, and uh, Ryan Bliss hasn't even come up yet. Yeah. So this this trade could pay dividends for the next half a decade. And so I don't, I don't see how you can look at this trade and say, well, don't get me wrong. I agree. The Mariners could have used Paul Seawald the rest of the way. Absolutely. Yeah. The failure is not on the Paul Seawald trade. The failure is on not going out and acquiring someone to replace Paul Seawald after that with some of your prospects. That's the problem. Yeah. 100%. I think so before we go into the world series preview, I'm going to wrap up Paul Seawald really quickly. There was some discourse around Mariners Twitter about I don't know if you, you're, you're nodding your head like you might know where I'm going. If Paul re-signs with the Mariners and comes back and pitches two, three more years, is he a Mariners Hall of Famer? Yes. Okay. Because there was conversation about like Mitch being a Mariners Hall of Famer and other guys that are in like certain tiers of, you know, whether or not they belong or whether or not they did enough. Two and three more years of excellent reliever work Paul Seawald's in. Or does he come back and he's like average? Do you think he still earned earned that spot? No. It has to See, be like still like one twenty like ERA plus level stuff. He he's got to look good. Yeah, he's got he's okay. got to come back and be the Paul Seawald that we know. And in my opinion, the Mariners Hall of Fame is kind of dumb. 
sure. I mean, I said it. yeah, it, I mean, it is, it's, it's more of like, I want to say like a, like a vanity or like a fan vote style, like popularity thing. But yeah, there's certain qualifications and also in that same vein limitations where it's like, mm-hmm. how do you measure the quantifiable success over five years versus four years as like being that much different? Like Nelson Cruz, I think is your, your biggest example of like someone that you wish could be in. But he never will because he didn't have the tenure. And I understand tenure is probably important in terms of that. However, the impact felt from Boomstick Baby in the four years he was in Seattle, it's, I think it's incredible. Yeah, it's second to none. I mean, mm-hmm. he was the leader of this team. And again, I feel I feel very similarly to Mitch. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that Mitch deserves a spot in the Mariners Hall of Fame. Or at least he, he deserves he deserves a chance. I don't think maybe he doesn't make it, but yeah. the fact that Rick Riz isn't in it, that's stupid. <laughs> like, why is Rick Riz? You got, are you just waiting for the guy to pass away and then you'll put him in? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're waiting for like, for Rick Riz, for example, I don't know if they're waiting to have like, him no mean, longer be re- the announcer. I say, retire, I mean? like, might be, <laughs> retire might be the better. <laughs> right. But I don't think Rick Riz is going to retire. Sure. Is that the spooky segment? So. No, no, that's not the spooky segment. But I don't know. The Mayor's Hall of Fame, it's tough to say. Like, I don't necessarily know if there's a rhyme or reason to have the things they do. So, okay. That's just my two cents. And Mariners, if you're listening, put us in the Hall of Fame. Put us in the Hall of Fame. Sorry about that. All right. Joe really got us off topic there. But let's talk a little bit about a preview of the World Series. Uh, Game one Zach Gallen versus Nathan Avaldi. Joe, who you got? Gallon of milk. He's honestly not been that great in the postseason, I would say. He's he's had a little bit of some hiccups there, and that's okay, you know. It matters now that he pitches his best in the World Series. I'm probably giving the edge still to Yavaldi there. He's been a dog in the postseason. Like, not going to put him on the mad bum levels in terms of just overall postseason career success, but he's been very, very excellent in his entire career in the postseason. So game one, I'd give the edge to Nasty Nate and the Rangers as a whole, probably. They do have an extra day off. Damn you, schedulers. Damn you, you bastards. Really just throwing a wrench in, you know, the chaos that the Diamondbacks are trying to bring. But game one, it will not, you know, be the end-all be-all. Both championship series went to seven games for a reason. Both teams are going to fight tooth and nail to the end. And even though I have the Rangers taking the advantage in game one, the Diamondbacks are definitely still going to be it's, it's not going to be like this big blowout. It's going to be a close game in game one, I would say. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that as a whole, I think that the Rangers probably win the World Series. Like, <gasps> I, I know. I, I Again, I don't hope that happens. We're, we're D-back dojo, baby. All right. I want Pauly and Cattell Marte to get a ring. But, I mean, the Diamondback, it, people are saying that this is such a boring World Series, and that's just not true. They just don't know ball. For the last, like what six or seven years it's either been the dodgers or the astros mm-hmm. as one half of the world series every single year like you want to talk about boring how about seeing the exact same team in the world i'm so glad it wasn't astros phillies yeah that would o- so stupid the only way the astros phillies i think is salvageable in terms of that is like it kind of it, yeah the phillies <laughs> win and it closes the chapter of like both those teams i think kind of being at the top of the respective leagues essentially in terms of postseason success because the Phillies win do they have a chance at going to three years in a row I'm not sold on the Phillies like being able to retain that level of like success 
Astros lose, Dusty's also out, so like change in management could lead to, you know, maybe not the immediate success of, you know, some other managers like the Rangers bringing in Bruce Bochy. There's, it's not oftentimes this quick direct transfer back into success. So the like you're saying, it would have been kind of boring unless you're an Astros or a Phillies fan. And the the teams that enjoy the dynasty life, obviously like thinking about like basketball, the Warriors, the Patriots and football, the fans of those teams loved it. Rightfully so. I'm sure Astros fans relish the fact that they've been, you know, the, the West runs through Houston for so long. And now that it, the, you know, the, the passing of the torch has kind of commenced, I don't know how people can look at this and be bored. Because there's lots of, I think, great storylines to tell from individual te- like teams and players. Like for the Rangers, you're looking at Corey Seager and his success in the postseason, dating back to his success with the Dodgers. Will Semyon be able to bounce back or will he continue to kind of be quiet in the postseason and let other guys around him step up? Obviously, Adolis Garcia is lightning in a bottle. Dude is electric no matter what he's doing. You can go then to the Diamondback side. You've got, obviously, we have an affinity because Paul Seawald, Cattell Marte, and also they're playing the AL West rival. So, duh. I think it's any Mariners fan that's not rooting for the Diamondbacks, I would be a little confused. Unless you've got other, like, you know, other things going on. The fact that we haven't mentioned Corbin Carroll's name is a sin. Yeah, I mean... Neither of us have mentioned Corbin Carroll, Seattle guy. Well, of course. I mean, he's definitely going to be a catalyst for that Diamondbacks team. He stepped up huge, I think, in Game 7 and Mm -hmm. caught the final out, which is very, very great for him. I mean, he didn't have to make a throw with his noodle arm that everyone's calling him out on. But, you know, Seattle native, he's going to win Rookie of the Year, adding... A World Series title on top of that? I mean, how could you start your career off on a better foot than Corbin Carroll might have the opportunity to to finish out this year? And you talked a little bit about Dusty announcing his retirement, which I think he officially did on Wednesday. I think he officially said, yeah, I'm retiring on Wednesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this was from Boob Nightingale, so I don't know. It's Boob Nightingale. But um, anyway, so that, that brings up an interesting point with the Astros, especially, like you said, the passing of the torch, because they have... Dusty's gone. There, a lot of their contracts are coming up soon-ish, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure are they going to be able to retain all these guys. They want to extend Altuve. I think Altuve is entering the last year of his deal. I believe Bregman is as well, and I think Verlander. This would be his last year as well, unless he pitches X amount of innings or what have you. So everyone was saying that the Astros need to take a look in the mirror. Which I mean, they just they just went to seven straight ALCS like mm-hmm. championship series like. They really need to look themselves in the mirror. It had it has to end at some point, right? Yeah. Like they're not going to do this every single year for the rest of time. Hopefully, but yeah, hopefully. But like when you when you see those contracts coming up, what do you think about the Astros in 2024 and moving forward for them? I I agree that their window of contention it's definitely closing to a certain degree, but they've got a lot of young talented guys on their team that kind of I mean Tucker Kyle Tucker one of my favorite players that's unfortunately on the Astros went pretty quiet in this postseason was not overly successful at the plate needs to add a bounce pad out there in the warning track to be able to rob some of those home runs or work on his vertical to get up to like give him a five foot vertical he's catching every single fly ball that's like barely over the fence Tucker Pena Chaz McCormick still I think a very viable play like piece on that team you've got Yiner Diaz who should supplant Martin Maldonado as the catcher. I don't care how bad Diaz's defense is, even if it's not even that bad. I don't think it is. I don't think it's that terrible. But 
you can't let Maldonado continue to take at bats from him. I feel like it's just not not worth it, and they still got Jordan. So, yeah, some of the veteran presences you're starting to maybe have to work around trying to either replace them or give them the money and figure out other replacements and kind of like offload some other contracts. But I don't think their window's done necessarily. They will be competitive at least for two, three more years with this core of players, I'd say. I agree with that. I mean, I think that, you know, Jeremy Pena really fell off this year. He was not good yeah, at all. And I think that Tucker was very good this year. I think he's not nearing the end of his deal, but he's getting relatively close, I think. I mean, he might be out after 2025 um and then yeah i mean first base they have a brayu obviously he's only going to be there for a little bit longer hunter brown i'm sure you know we'll figure it out maybe yeah i don't know who 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 was their guy starting pitcher who was always so highly touted and has never been anything appel he, no 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 oh gosh he like got popped for steroids forrest whitley Yes, Forrest Whitley. What the heck happened to that guy, dude? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, doesn't I mean, exist. Yeah, that's pretty much it. it. Just doesn't exist. I don't know. I think that the Astros they don't have a great farm system. They traded the their two best players for Justin Verlander, mm-hmm. and they kind of wrap, bring this full circle to talk about the Mariners a little bit. Hey, like this is you know your window of opportunity is right there. the The Rangers were good, but just remember the Mariners were right there with the Rangers at the end. Spend the money. So you got to do spend the money this offseason, make some good trades, and you should theoretically be you. The fact of the matter is, the Mariners could, with a few extra moves made, maybe at the deadline, I could see them being in the same position the Rangers are right now. I could, yeah. Which is, I think, also the more the most frustrating part about it is the front office maybe didn't really fully believe that this team was worth adding to in that trade deadline and. Seawald said when he was on Chris Rose's sports show, they had, did a little interview segment. Seawald had some comments that basically were he was kind of in line with what a lot of everyone else was with like Cal talking about we need to go like bring in some some guys, you know, be that echo chamber of like we want to this team to get better. And however that is, if the front office isn't gonna help us, like why would we not be frustrated in that way? And Paul said going into the start of this last year that they put themselves in a spot where they felt like they were going to receive a bit of help in terms of additions to the team and the front office did not give them, I guess, what they were hoping for to an extent, which is a kind of a weird way, not a weird way to word it, but it is, we all know who he's pointing fingers at, right? Like it's Trevor God, it's AJ Pollock. It's the names that your bargain been diving for that did not pan out that then caused the incursion of Paul Seawald to be traded because the team was not good enough to add to it the deadline as opposed to trade from. And you could have done both. You could have been buying and selling like you've mentioned. I think the Paul Seawald trade could could still have happened this year very easily. And you still add a Mark Canna. The Tommy Pham is the big one that I feel like a lot of people were like, go get him. And then, you know, he's playing in the World Series with the Diamondbacks. Or just some other, you know, additional piece. And do you get one more win? Do you get two more wins? Maybe, right? And so, seeing Seawald saying that as well, and now he's playing in the World Series, it's just what you're saying. Spend the money. Should have done it last year. Now's your chance again. Don't mess it up. And we've talked about a little bit how there's no no more excuses this offseason. You know, I specifically during the offseason last year was kind of on board with what the Mariners did and how they did it. With that being said, under the impression 
that when the time came in July, they'd go out and add someone they needed to look at the holes and see what they needed. And again, we all thought Colton Wong was going to be a lot better. Like, would would average Colton Wong have won the Mariners of Division? Probably. Yeah. If, if Colton Wong was just who he's been his entire career, his entire 10-year career, the Mariners probably win the division. It's plain and simple. Yeah. And I, like... In last year, like this time last year, this is right before like the the Tay Oscar trade and whatnot. We were pounding the table saying this is the most important offseason in Mariners history, and they didn't. The Mariners basically fumbled the bag, but not so. They didn't fumble it so badly that they're just out of it now and like they mm-hmm. need to be crucified. But they they basically extended that window to this year, this offseason. Like if if they don't go do something, I don't. It doesn't have to be big. But if you do not go out there and raise the floor of this team, you're cooked. Like, that's it. Yeah. The the Rangers have leapfrogged you. It was the Astros and the Mariners and then the Rangers. Now it's the Astros, the Mariners, the Rangers. Like, yeah. In my, like, the, the Rangers have leapfrogged you. You need to go out there and make yourself a more competitive ball club. Yeah, just adding quality guys throughout the entire, like, 26 man to make sure that you don't have these glaring holes. You're saying raising the floor. The floor for the Mariners, unfortunately, last year involved having Sam Haggerty be a DH more often than not. You're running out another lineup with that being said of Caballero and Dylan Moore and that same, you know, seven, eight, nine. And then you look at the Rangers lineup, they have Josh Young batting eighth. Dude was going to win rookie of the year, probably until Gunnar Henderson started playing out of his freaking mind and obviously Young got hurt, but he's batting eighth. Put that it's a good it's a really good eight hole hitter he could be batting sixth you could move him up probably but there are other guys like evan carter got moved up in the postseason because he's hitting well and i know it's all situational stuff but regardless you look at the rangers one through nine it like washes the mariners in terms of their performance this year i would have i think last offseason we were on the fence about nathaniel lowe being and like ty france like who had the better first baseman there and Obviously, Nathaniel Lowe was a better one in 2023, but coming into that season, I think it was more of a coin flip. Now mm-hmm. we know it, it definitely was not. Right. And same thing with like Gino versus Josh Young. Like it's, there's just positional, there's, there's spots in your lineup where you felt you had a little bit more wiggle room of you're still holding that position over them in terms of talent, but the, you're like you're saying, they leapfrogged us. Maybe that is the, the scary, spooky Halloween segment, you know, like the Rangers leapfrogged us. We You, you said the word Sam Haggerty and dh in the same sentence i did but let's get into this spooky segment huh can we can we get like a spooky sound out of you really quick thank you so much yeah Yeah. all right so in this spooky segment joe we're gonna i'm gonna give you a couple different scenarios Mm -hmm. and you're going to tell me which one you prefer okay 2024 jose caballero plays in 100 games at second base or marco gonzalez makes 30 starts for this rotation oh 30 which one's scarier to you? 30 starts for Marco is scarier for me. Yeah? Yeah. I wow. Think so. I think so. Over a hundred games from Caballero. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a hundred and nine inning games. It could be sixty nine inning games and then, you know, forty five inning games. Okay, okay. I have a I have a second. So you're saying a hundred games. Are they starts? Yeah. Like a hundred starts. I think what I was the way I was thinking about it, yes, they're starts. And then is he getting pinch hit for in the fifth or sixth sure i'm I'm i'd still rather that i would trust caballero to to grow a little bit as a player be better than marco for 30 starts of a season okay and i Uh, i you know i i'll i'll say it i've defended marco a a decent amount not the most but 
when you've got Miller, Wu, Hancock right there, I, it's it's obviously Miller and Wu above both of them pretty handily, I think. And then Marco and Emerson in a similar conversation. Okay, which is scarier. Logan Gilbert makes less than 15 starts or Cal Raleigh gets injured at the start of the season and misses the whole year. Cal Raleigh. Yeah. We don't, I, I mean, I think it depends on if who we get in free agency. Like if we bring Tom Murphy back, it's not super, super scary, but then that is then going to require the Mariners to go out and make a move for another catcher at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year, like right away. 15 starts from Gilbert, you know, if it's the last 15 starts, it's a little bit better, I think, compared to the first 15. You know, he's he's more ready for the second half of the year for the postseason push. Cal's out for the year. He was, what, third best catcher in all of baseball in terms of war this year versus Gilbert. It was great, but he's not top 20 in Cy Young mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So, mm-hmm. okay. You have a repeat year from either Ty France or Eugenio Suarez, which is scarier. Which is scarier? Oh, um... I think a repeat year from Gino is scarier because we have a replacement closer in Tyler Locklear, and I think a better market to replace Ty France than we do Gino. And Gino's going to be replaced in two-ish years anyways because his contract's done, like, unless we re-sign him to be DH, like, however it works. But I would be more worried that Ty France, a guy that you, I think as a team, you, and I think a fan base for me as well, would have wanted him to be a maybe not cornerstone like a guy 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 that's like he is like the main piece like one of the like you know the mount rushmore of the 2025 world series winning seattle mariners he's not the mount rushmore player there but like he's one of you know like the guys that's at the table you know i I would have penciled him in as like a 120 wrc plus consistently no I i don't know if i followed anything you just said but all right all right the real last one now. Okay. The Mariners. You're, there are two options this offseason. The Mariners spend $60 million a year on Shohei Otani for the next five years. Or, and that's it. That's all they do this offseason. Or, they don't spend any money this offseason. Which is scarier. Not spending any money. Yeah. Like, without it. Like, even if it's, you're spending six, you're spending $80 million. On Shohei, like going further than what you said. I think I am less scared about that than them not spending any money at all. And I get the market's not great, but looking at this team, not willing to spend any money in the free agent market. And I understand that you're not only looking at free agency to acquire players, acquire talent to make your team better. If they do make, if they don't spend any money and they're saying that, oh, the money we spent was actually in acquiring players via trade because our salary cap went up. Sure, you can work that conversation however you want to, but it's incumbent upon the fact that they're making trades. Yeah, that's kind of the way I'm, I'm looking at it, is like, they're they're still making trades, but in the end, their payroll goes up maybe a minimal amount. I'd say less than $10 million overall. Mm. I'd like, still, they... I would still be more scared that their payroll only went up $10 million over trades than spending $60 million on Shohei a year. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's respectable. Okay. Thank you. Well done. This is this has been your super duper spooky Halloween segment with Colton. <laughs> Woo! And honestly, I agree. Not spending any money in free agency would be pretty damn scary. So that's why the Mariners need to go out and sign somebody this offseason. And I made a video talking about my favorite free agent pitchers the Mariners should sign. Go ahead and check that one out. I appreciate you guys watching this one. And go Mariners.